Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode is part of our In Search of RSPA 3.0 series, where we discuss with industry leaders what's around the corner for the Retail IT channel. These conversations are not only informative, but they're also a celebration of the RSPA's 75th anniversary in 2023. Today, we'll discuss new ISV research with a first-time Trusted Advisor podcast guest. Tom Burns is the Senior Vice President of Global Payments Marketing for RSPA member PayIQ. Tom has 30 years of experience in payments and marketing. Tom, welcome to the Trusted Advisor. Thanks so much, Jim. Great to be here. So uh, like I mentioned, our focus today is going to be on a study that was commissioned by PayIQ about ISVs, right? So independent software vendors, you know, software developers. Tom, can you share with our audience first, like who is PayIQ and then tell us what this study is all about? Absolutely. So PayIQ, we're a division of Quisitive Technology Solutions, and they're one of Microsoft's top cloud partners. And what we've done is we've developed an entirely new cloud-enabled payment and order processing platform. So our like, you know, a lot of the days we see just at the show recently, we've seen that a lot of people are really innovating at sort of the edge of payments. And but our advanced architecture allows us to innovate at the core of the payments process itself. And this enables us to offer payments resellers a host of new automated management tools that we believe will lower overhead, streamline their operations, and provide a whole new level of control over pricing while accelerating the time to market. And to take a look at how we fit into the rapidly shifting dynamics of the ISV universe, we hired Wakefield Research. Uh, they're an independent research company, well-known in the payment space. They do a lot of work for Visa, MasterCard, JP Morgan, et cetera. And what we had them done is we commissioned a, a, a survey of 150 senior executives at ISVs who were in the sales and customer support areas to gain insights into the operational challenges they're currently facing, in addition to 100 C-level or owners of ISVs who are leading the company to better gauge the, excuse me, the strategic shifts they are seeing on the horizon. So the overall goal is to better understand the ISV perspective on their operations, corporate strategy, and growth and needs. Got it. Thank you. And that's uh, that's interesting. It seems like ISVs, I don't want to say they're mercurial, but there's a bunch of them out there. A lot of times they're being pulled in a bunch of different directions. So I'm glad that Wakefield uh, had an opportunity and you guys commissioned them to do this to get the feedback. What were those total numbers again? Again, you said it was like 100 owners and yeah. C-levels. Yeah. So what, what we did is we, we talked to 150 um, executives in both sales and customer support. Right. Okay. So got frontline got frontline guys. Right. You know, yep. what's what's happening on the ground. Right. And then we balance that with a hundred, you can call them C levels or their owner owners, you know, depending on who how they want to name themselves, right? And who are really sort of driving their, you know, their their field of vision, they're looking more downfield strategically, right? You know, so what are they what are they seeing? We're trying to combine, you know, the operational viewpoint with both corporate strategy and how people are trying to chart growth in what we found is a uh it, a market that's really undergoing a lot of seismic shifts today. 
Yes, for sure. So for today's conversation, what I've done, is I've, I've pulled excerpts from the report that I found most interesting, I thought most applicable to the retail IT channel. So I'm hoping that you and I can discuss them, what they mean for ISVs and everyone who works with ISVs, which in the retail IT channel is like everyone, right? right you know, right. ISVs are so interconnected. So the first line in the executive summary, it says, the era of one-stop shops has come to an end, and ISVs are facing challenges adding value to their offerings to differentiate themselves from competitors and gain a larger market share. Can you expand upon what does that mean to you? What does that mean from the survey? Sure. So uh, let's face it. I, I don't think this news to any member of the RSPA that we're an era of unprecedented change is upon us. In fact, our study found that <clears throat> ISVs are now operating in industry where, and I was stunned at this, Jim, <clears throat> 100% of respondents said that their clients are now using solutions from other uh, other ISVs. Yep. And <clears throat> three in five are extremely concerned that their clients are going to increase their partnerships with multiple ISVs. That changes the traditional landscape that you and I have known at a seismic level. So merchant adoption of multiple ISV solutions signals both the growing interest in leveraging ISV solutions to solve business problems, as well as a growing belief that if a current ISV solution isn't working, there's probably another, I don't know if it's better or not, but there's another solution out there that they should be looking at. So the merchant perception of <clears throat> how to engage with an ISV has flopped on its head. And that's a result, I think these evolving customer expectations have made ISVs feel like they're chasing a moving target to some degree. And that intensifies their need to add value to their services to gain a larger market share, or better valuation, whatever you want to call it, right? To maintain or to maintain what share they currently have. And on one hand, you, they're, you know, it's a natural, I think, human reaction to try and slow down a client's adoption of other services, but failing to slow down the adoption of another ISV could result in customers switching to a superior option or revising their service agreements in favor of an alternative solution. So it's 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 a real tough situation business-wise in terms of the environment because as again, the landscape has shifted, merchants are really driving this in terms of the way they're evaluating their needs and how they're perceiving solutions. And where it's traditionally a one-stop shop kind of thing, I think that that ship has sailed. Right, right. There used to be, uh, I remember resellers talking about like they only wear one logo on their shirt and it was the logo of whatever software they represent. They right. sold that software and everything, you know, all the hardware around it. But now, like you said, it seems like there's so many other interconnected points. At least I guess that's what we've seen uh, from an anecdotal standpoint. And that's certainly what uh, what this report shows. Another data point uh, from the report, it says, and I'm quoting it here, the evolving market is forcing ISVs to change. 92% of ISVs have been forced to shift their their business model in the past two years. Like you gave that 100% number, and this is 92%. I mean, that's it's right. hard to get that percent uh, in the survey. And then it says, that was my comment, by the way. That was me interjecting. I probably should have spelled that out. Um, ISVs, that's why people need to read the report so they can draw the line between me mouthing off and the report. So back to the report, it says, ISVs now feel a need to add value to their services to gain a larger market share and slow down their clients' adoption of other service providers. So can you expand upon uh, that shift and then also the value that ISVs are adding to their services? What are they? We know when we hear value-added resellers what they do, but talk about the value that ISVs um, are adding from what this report showed. Sure. So as you know, the ISV market is growing. 
right? And through, we've looked at other third-party studies beyond our, our own native study. And what we've seen is the folks who follow this space are projecting slightly north of a 14% compound annual growth rate from 22 to 2030. And as you know, I remember I was at Inspire uh, in January and I remember you sharing that my head was spinning around. You're taking, hey, the number of current ISVs is ballpark 200,000 folks out there in the game. And that's expected to grow plus or minus to about a million in the next decade, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a there's there's just a, a geometric growth path. And ISV leaders have been compelled to react to escalating competitive pressure and the shifting dynamics in terms of adapting their business model in the past two years. And that's why I think we're seeing, I mean, you and I have both done studies in the past and you you never see anything 90%, 92%, 100%, right? I mean, that's, you know, that just never see that. So to me, that feedback loop is, is that's really compelling. And what I found most interesting about that stat was that the 92% of folks who have shifted their business model, it's been primarily around payment offerings to keep up with the changes occurring in the industries they serve. And what's more, Nearly three quarters, I, I think the number was, uh, the hard number was 72%, um, reported mostly a complete shift. So payments has now become really central to an ISV's offering. So what used to be a nice to have feature or a great way to make your software stickier or harder to displace uh, or to be able to generate a new passive revenue stream, that's now becoming a fairly core offering for a lot of ISVs. But most folks are taking several paths to increase the monetization of their payment offerings. So our study found that 33% have added integrated payments as the primary strategy to differentiate their offerings amidst a growing number of competitors to add value and gain additional revenue. Others have decided to uh, specialize in a smaller number of solutions to stand out as best in those areas. I think about 34% of folks have done that or alternatively, to offer a larger number of solutions to capture more revenue with the, each client. And that's been about the same. That number, I think, the so you can split that almost right down the middle. Um, the tighter focus on, on, on key value-added solutions, smaller smaller offerings is 34%. And, oh, a bigger, you know, like a Chinese menu kind of approach, 34% um, have gone that way. I also think, if you read between the lines here, the traditional silos what we've all considered is classified as ISOs, VARs, ISVs, all of that's rapidly blurring. Mm -hmm. as these these players, that was at the show, that was one of my big takeaways, yeah. right? And at, at RSPH a couple of weeks ago, um, is that, that that's blurring rapidly as all these players try to respond to the growing merchant demands for a broader solution set. And our data clearly shows that part of this is the introduction of additional ISVs that I mentioned. But another trend is that merchants are often pushing the incumbent ISV or into a VAR role by asking them to integrate new technology into their existing solution set. Business-wise, that's a conundrum. Because what do you say to a client? No. Right. Right. If that's the case, then you're opening the door to competitors in your account. Or do you agree to take on projects or integrations that are not in your native domain? Yeah. Right. Because so right there, that's that's like that's a, that that's not just one problem. That's two problems. Yeah. Because if you agree to take on the projects right now, one, you've got to figure out how to make it work. 
But then two, after you figure that out, now you've got the potential headache of supporting it. That's increasingly a tough place for an ISV to be. Yeah, very much. All right. Well, so a couple of follow-ups to that. First, thanks for the clarification. Like I said, when I read that and it talked about value, like value can mean a lot of different things. And then you talk about payments is is number one. Uh, yeah. But that shift from from ISV to VAR, we call that the reluctant reseller, right? Where we have these and the, the phrase that we use inside of uh, the RSPA, we consider like, and again, this is our only internal definition, ISV uh, is more an, uh, a software developer who has a channel. Then we also call these DI these direct independent software developers, they have their own software and they want to take their software to market. And they're like, I guess I have to put it on something and I guess I have to have some other things around it and wrap some technology and some services around it. It sounds like that's what you're seeing is the emergence of these niche software providers and they know they have to wrap other things around because they have to put their software on something. Is that essentially what this is referring to in terms of the business model uh, change? Yeah, I, I think I think that's part of it. But Jim, if I'm really honest with you, I don't think it's I to be I don't think you can point it's not this or that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's I think it's a very dynamic and fluid situation. Yeah. There is no brass ring that you can grab, oh, this is gonna solve my problems. Um, every every vertical, every merchant's gonna have a different dynamic around them, you know. Um, and, and as often as you can point to this, you can say, Oh, look, but there's that. Right. So it's a blend. But the one thing that came through, I think, loud and clear, again, if you're reading between the lines, is that as an ISV, your software is your anchor. That's not changing yeah. at all. Right. But where do you differentiate and where do you drive revenue? Right. And I think that's where integrating payments becomes a really critical element here. That's going to add to your your revenue. It's going to add to your valuation. It's going to make you stickier because if if you're the payments engine now, you're just a lot harder to displace. Right. I mean, you know, I always joke that that, you know, somebody tries to go in and replace payments. It's like somebody saying, hey, Jim, how'd you like how'd you like some open heart surgery with a green vine, some rusty channel locks? You know, <laughs> no, no, nobody's going, hey, me too. You know, yeah. um, that it's it's a it's a pain point. And so that that's a way I think that a lot of ISVs currently are saying, hey, you know what? There's nothing. It's a different business. It's not native to me, but I can I can learn this if I yeah. find the right partner, the right payments partner, which I think is absolutely critical. But. This is a way for me to differentiate and to sort of get up a defensive posture in terms of being displaced in the account. Yeah, that's interesting. We've been saying for a while before, and you alluded to it earlier, you could put somebody in the VAR or reseller bucket or the ISO bucket or the ISV bucket. And it's I've always said now it's on a spectrum right from their part ISV, their part VAR. But then it seems like as you add in the ISO or the payments thing, maybe you have to plot this out, right? Almost two different spectrums going at each other. And that again is the complexity. And this is why when folks say to us, are they a VAR or are they an ISV? We're like, you almost have to sit down with them to really figure out exactly what they do because it's it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. So right. that's interesting. And then also, also, Jim, what people are telling you Right. You know, I'm amazed at how many people are telling me they're now payments providers. Yes. Right. Or their payment processor. I'm like, who? Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, no, no, no. You've got a front end. You're No, you're not. a. The, so I think that that we're like, you know, so we've got we are, you know, 
we're a new, we're the, one of the first new processors VisaNet certified in 10 years. So we got full connection to all the brands, right? Direct, yeah. you know? So we're, no, we're not gatewaying anything else. And, and people are often surprised when they hear that because that is increasingly, the, the, I think the word processor, which you and I have known to mean a certain thing for a number yeah. of years, that's gotten very squishy very fast. Yes, for sure. Great. Well, thank you for that. Let's get back uh, one more stat before we take a quick break. So 60% of ISVs are very or extremely concerned their clients will increasingly partner with multiple ISVs. And then also 52% experience challenges merging their solutions with solutions from other ISVs their clients have partnered with often or all the time. So Tom, do you see this like, is this a challenge and an opportunity? Because an ISV doesn't have to develop on its own the entire solution, like we talked about right from the get-go, right. but they also seems like they have to get really good at integrations. And if they're able to do that, they're gonna be the winner. So is that a fair assessment? Am I reading those data points the right way? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Integrations are both a challenge and an opportunity, right? The challenge isn't just that ISVs are concerned about a potential revenue loss, as I noted, but the blurring of roles has created a whole new set of challenges that didn't exist even a few years ago. But they're also concerned about the operational difficulties I mentioned. So while at first this seems like a manageable task when clients are only using a couple of solutions, now it seems like there's no end in sight for working on integrating with other solutions and they're coming from different angles, right? So part of this is the shifting retail landscape. You've got a shrinking workforce, right, with a demographic cliff looming here at the end of the decade. Uh, you've got the emergence of a host of new technologies seeking to fill those gaps, right? And as a result of that, the one thing I think a lot of people are looking past is the resulting impact on the customer experience in the mix of all this. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of incoming and new, new players are showing up all the time and clients just keep adopting them and they're adopting. Oh, I, I got they see the the client sees the problem very discreetly. Oh, problem. Oh, here's a solution. Hey, ISV, can you integrate this for me? Right. Um, Because I, I, I want an integrated experience. So they're not thinking they're thinking from the merchant perspective. They're not thinking from the ISV perspective. Right. Yeah. That means that ISVs are now devoting a significant amount of time to tests that only serve to help them retain current customers at the same commitment level instead of adding profitable modules for upselling. And what our study found was the vast majority, another big number, 87 percent, at least sometimes experience challenges in merging their solutions with solutions from other ISVs. And more than half of those, 52 percent, say this happens often or all the time. So, yes, they can effectively and if, if they can effectively and, and efficiently figure out a way to continue to integrate their solutions with other ISVs, then they've got a happy customer. But as we've discussed here, the problem is there is no cut and dry. That does that's not a box, right? That's not a standard offering. That's going to have a bunch of moving pieces or some dynamics around it. Every single one of those integrations is going to be different and it's going to have a whole new set of problems. 
Exactly. There's one thing about doing two integrations. When you have to do 200, suddenly that takes on a whole different dynamic to it. And then it's, you know, some ISVs listening to this are like, you think 200? Like, I'm getting, you know, requests uh, endlessly. I know we have our uh, RSP's niche and startup ISV community, and that's something we talked about is when do you add on integrations and new features based on the requests? And so if you do that just as they come and you don't have a process to manage that, you're going to be in trouble. Even if you have a process to manage it, uh, it's a huge burden to uh, to be able to manage all that. So, well, thanks right. for the numbers. It's a, it's a gym. It's a, tre it's a treadmill, right? And then yes. well, the only I'd add to that is I'd go back to my earlier comment, which is, okay, now you integrate them. That means you own it. You've got to support it, right? Yep. Um, and or you've got to coordinate support. Right. And and that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing running on one treadmill, but then you have to hop from moving treadmill to right. another one. Um, that's the battle. So, all right, let's pause here to let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solution Providers Association. The RSP is North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. The RSP is a perfect fit for any organization that's serious about growth in those markets. And an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships start at just $250 a year for VARs and just $300 a year for software startups. Accelerate your success in the retail IT channel by joining the RSPA community today. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership, email membership at gorspa.org. Also, we want to say thanks to our sponsors who support the RSPA and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Star Micronics. Again, if you want to get involved in the RSPA, either as a member or a sponsor, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, so let's get back to our statistics. So this next one says 64% of ISVs use multiple payment processors to support their portfolio. And I remember a Retail Now presentation given by a payment provider. They actually recommended to ISVs that they should use one, more than one processor to meet their unique needs, right? You're going to have a primary, but then you might have a secondary, a few secondary uh, other providers. And so I'm curious, Tom, like, do you see this as a best practice for ISVs, right? Don't just be limited to one, to what one processor can provide for you, right? Have that primary, but don't only have one. What's your take on that? What does the study tell us? Yeah, it's it I think I think it's just a fact of life, right? You know, many times ISVs will choose to work with multiple processors and it's not out of any burning desire to do yet another integration, but it's really a result of depending on their portfolio mix, they have to find they've got to they've got to have the ability to accommodate varying levels of risk across their portfolio, right? And so I would posit that this can be viewed as a strength of an ISV because it enables them to grow their portfolio more quickly by being able to serve a larger number of clients. That said, multiple processors means multiple processes. Mm -hmm. And that's where the migraines begin, right? So I think, we, you know, uh, I've been in payments a long time. I can remember when the landscape was littered with processors, right? And now we've got a couple of decades of cannibalization. You know, we've got our big six. Um, okay, great. That just because they've 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 acquired somebody doesn't mean that they've made them compatible. Yeah. Right. So what are we stuck with now? We've got, you know, if you're an ISV, all of a sudden you've got a couple of processors. Okay, good deal. Right. But now you've got 
Everybody's got a different onboarding process. Everybody's got a different underwriting criteria. No two integrations are alike. And I think the big thing on a day-to-day -day basis is each processor has their own portal, which requires a completely different learning curve. So operationally, it becomes a complicated task to keep it all straight, send the right application for the right processor to their client, right? And since the big six, like I said, are running on pre-internet technology stacks, this process can be onerous at best. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, there's any number of ma manual tasks in terms of getting a client live. So errors are commonplace. And the reason that's a pain is because payments is a great thing, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. But <laughs> until until you get that first transaction on the rails, you're not making dime one from that account, right? So it's it's really about being able to find the balance of being able to serve all of your customers, but making sure the processors are your internal processors are efficient and streamlined enough. And I think that's where automation can really help the ISVs, many of whom it's just not their payments is a great thing. It's part of the landscape, but it's not necessarily their immediate domain. It's not, I don't think any, there's no ISV I've met has told me I got into this game to be in the payments business. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting you bring that up and let me, uh, we'll blend some of our personal conversation before we hit record into this right now. And tell me this analogy uh, is working. So um, you uh, grew up, born in New York, lived in Malibu. Now you're in Port Malibu, California. Now you're in Portland, Oregon. I was in Erie, Pennsylvania, right in the snow belt, rust belt, whatever you want to call it. The two of them work together, snow and rust. Now I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. It would almost be like, working with these different payment processors it's not like trying to buy a home in each one of those areas it's like trying to build a home in each one of those areas right you would have totally different climates right totally different rules and regulations different builders and to build that foundation right you would have to do that five different ways is what you need to do and there would be so much added complexity and you can imagine like that would be difficult for one person to handle. Um, and even if you have all five going on at the same time, that's what it seems like some of these ISVs are up against. So I'm sure all analogies break down somewhere, but is that kind of a way to visualize it? Yeah, it's great yeah. to add another payment processor in theory, but you really have to make sure you've got that short up internal operations because it's, it's like adding, uh, again, building a whole other house in a whole new climate. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is, is that, is that, uh, you know, the, one of the big myths about about the payment, the processing industry in general, is that it's all been consolidated, and so it should be easier. And in fact, right. the it, the in, it, the inverse is proportionally true, right? I, I I'll go on record saying that is that you know I don't think, with all due respect, you know payments is, and I'm in the payments game, but you rarely see people with a a t-shirt says I heart my processor, right? You know because it's tough. They're running on really old technology, as I said, pre-internet technology, you know, and so you've and it, it to try and to, and that's why I think what we've seen is only innovation at the edge of payments rather than the core of it, right? Because to restructure that fundamental spine, that backbone of payments, that's really expensive. That's really hard to do, you know, and uh, the market has really moved has has moved on, you know, but yeah. the payment, the processor making money no matter what, right? you know, right. They, they, they're not in business to lose money, you know, and, but the catch is, is that 
If you're an ISV, oh, and somebody wants a loyalty program, oh, well, yeah, I, I, that's on my that's on my North platform, or you know, yeah. you signed up for the East platform. There's and there's all stuff. I think it could be a real hall of mirrors for a lot of ISVs, yeah. you know. And then again, I go back to the corollary on where you say, oh, you got to maintain all the stuff you integrate. Well, now you've got to manage on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah. And if there's a process with, the, think about this. If there's, there, and this is going to happen. We both know this. There's a problem with the merchant has a problem. You're the first line of defense, whether you like it or not. You know, because they bought their payments from you. You're the payments expert, right? They're calling you. You're trying to figure out how do you get access to that data? Oh, there's another rabbit hole we've got to go down, you know, yeah. in terms of getting that support. Because you, you're in the business of supporting your merchant and making sure their systems run, run, run. Yeah. Um, so it's a um, it's a highly metrics matrix space that becomes really. And so, yes, ad theorem, you need more than one processor to be able to play the game. That said is that every processor you take on brings a whole new level of complexity. So I think your your housing analogy yeah. is right. And I would see it even goes goes beyond that in terms of the requirements you have of maintaining a place in Raleigh as opposed to Erie on a year round basis are radically different. Yes, for sure. Right? But but that but that's the that's the game that you are getting into by default. And and nobody says, yeah, yeah, I want that, but I can't. It's not. It's you know you don't get you. It's not the Chinese menu. Yeah, I was going to say in Erie, uh, we have landscapers who work half the year, and then the second half of the year, there's snow removal companies. Right. I haven't seen a snowplow in the year plus uh, that I've I've been down here. And just like it's great to build five houses in in other locations, the rewards are great, but right, they're not unfair. And so uh, again, that's where there's it's a lucrative opportunity, you know, to work with these multiple payment processors opens up a lot of different doors. It sounds like your report is saying, and what we hear from ISVs, you've got to be prepared to support that. So, all right, we have about 10 minutes left. And so I, I have a couple other data points that I want to see. So this next one, it says top client interest in the short term. And so short term defined as over the next 12 months are expected to include one, easier ways to create targeted customer marketing efforts, two, ways to seamlessly blend digital and physical spaces, three, automated methods for scheduling services and payments, and then four, enticing customer loyalty and rewards programs. So it seems like most, if not all of these, are under the umbrella of an improved customer experience. So again, I feel like kind of the theme of this is, Tom, I'm reading the report. You did the report. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, Jim, absolutely. So, so this goes back to what I was saying is, ISVs are now in a more reactive posture. And when I say that is they're reacting to the seismic shifts that are happening in the retail landscape, right? And so ISVs are now trying to navigate an increasingly fluid and competitive environment in which they find themselves. And the business they're in is trying to provide the best possible support to their customers. In the research we commissioned with Wakefield, we wanted to get a better understanding of how ISVs are adapting to these challenges. That's why we looked at both the folks who are on the front line dealing with operational demands and then on the back end, okay, strategically, how are you rolling this up in terms of your, your downfield planning for this? And what we found is that ISVs know their clients are clamoring for the solutions they need to optimize their service to their customers. That's, that's baseline. But that increasingly inclusive includes process automation and a way to create a more satisfying customer experience. So all the things you just mentioned, creating a targeted customer marketing, seamlessly blending digital and physical spaces in what I would say is a true omni-channel environment, right? Automating payments, enhancing loyalty programs, 
All of this stems from the fact that there'll be continuing changes to the marketing and sales landscape in every client's respective industry. They're looming on the horizon and they're anticipating their clients will continue to be interested in a variety of new areas or new approaches to this. So ISV leaders are now realizing how crucial it is to be able to connect, connect with not only their customer, but enable the ISV to better connect with the end user customer. So the way to think about it is, I think we're on the cusp of moving out of what has been a traditional, you know, ISV B2B space into a B2B slash C space, mm -hmm. right? In terms of now, all of a sudden, and this is what I talked about before, is that we're, we've got this looming demographic cliff. Your retailers or merchants are trying to push automation and to replace these warm bodies they've always had on the front line. That changed the customer experience. Okay, your technology is going to drive that. How do we use that technology, right? So, um, you know, anytime you have a merchant that's turning to them and asking for solutions that impact the experience of their customer, you're moving beyond that classic B2B dynamic. Um, and th this is actually a point uh, that folks I was talking to at retail now a few weeks ago kept raising over and over. So it's top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah, so it goes from not just the ISV saying, what does the merchant want, but really what does that consumer want? What does the merchant's customer want? It sounds like they have you know, those two masters that they're going to have to uh, serve. And I think uh, speaking of retail, uh, James Frank from Toshiba talked there about trends in retail. We did a podcast on that right before the, the event, and that's what he talked about, the huge challenge that these merchants are facing of understanding their customer and then providing this wide range of technology solutions for them. And it sounds like you're saying if the ISV can help understand both of those as well, they're going to be in a much better position. Agreed. And and part of that is, again, I'd go back to a point I raised earlier, which is there it's not I don't know any ISVs are out there thinking I want to get into the customer experience business. Right. right. Um, but what you're finding is, is that their customers, the merchants, this is a new ask from them. Yeah. Right. So just as, hey, I got some some whiz bang technology I found over here. Can you integrate that into a, into a, a, a seamless experience? Oh, but now it's like. You know what? I've got a I've got an end user experience that I'm struggling with. Can you help me with that? And yeah. that I think that's something that's going to be a much bigger factor as we move forward in terms of the strategic uh, the strategic implications it has for this industry as a whole. Yeah. And uh, before I ask, I have two more questions for you, but just this reminds me of probably about 15 years ago, uh, I worked for a technology magazine publisher, Business Solutions Magazine. Sure. We would have a meeting where all the writers would get together and analyze the stuff. We had a new writer in the room. We turned to him at the end of the conversation and said, what do you think of this? And he just paused and said, this is hard. And that's what it kind of sounds like here. Like, that's the biggest takeaway from the board. Like, man, ISV is quite the challenge. Uh, that they have here. So last data point that I want to share in the report, it has to do with shifting to the cloud. And so the report talks a lot about that. The one quote that jumped out to me, it says, utilization of cloud technology is no longer the future. For most ISVs, it's become the norm in the industries they serve. And ISVs trying to compete while running on legacy technology are likely to be left behind. So why does the report say that? And then what should the non-cloud ISVs do in response? Yeah, so, you know, Anybody who anybody who's listening to this or watching this who has a smartphone knows all about the cloud, right? You know, and cloud adoption, it hasn't even been rapid growth. It's, cloud's been around for 20 years, right? 20 something years. But in the last the last 10 years, you know, what we've seen is global cloud computing and hosting. That market size has increased by 
535%. During the same period, the cloud computing market was only 20, so in, you know, 2010, right? You know, the cloud computing market was worth 24.6 billion. It grew to 156.4 billion in by 2020, right? So the cloud is now, it's an expectation. It's not, it's not like, oh, a nice to have kind of thing, right? Consumers and customers alike expect services to be in the cloud, right? And in contrast to cloud technology, this, I go back to my point here, the, the current host of payment processing platforms that are out there built on pre-internet technology. And so through all the merger and acquisitions in the last 15 years or so, we've now got big players who have multiple tech stacks that really don't play nice with each other. So incompatibility is the rule of the day. What that means in real world terms is that these large processes have very large, inflexible, and frankly, archaic systems that cannot handle the needs of today's modern ISVs and even, even the ISOs, right? The kind of changes we've been talking about in this discussion. There's been little or no innovation or advancement in these systems, which is the core of payments in the last dozen years. It's simply too expensive to do. And as I said before, they're making plenty of money, so there's very little incentive to change, let alone innovate. So our research showed that 58% of ISVs report that their clients view cloud-based solutions as the norm in the industry. Only 8% of their clients see it as not important. So when we asked what the advantage of using the cloud-based solutions were, automated processors processes came out on top. 64% said, that's the main advantage I see. Better analytics came in second at 56%. And right after that, was easier integrations at 53%. So all these functions come down to being able to service their customer better. And in terms of cloud-based payments, a lot of that comes down to accessing customer data. In a cloud environment, you can pull up a transaction in real time as opposed to requesting a report. You don't know when you're gonna get or what it's gonna cost. And if there's an issue, as I said earlier, the ISV is increasingly seen as the payment expert, and that's critical to merchant support and most importantly to retention. So relieving client frustrations is key to keeping ahead of the competition. And ISVs, I think the data says loud and clear, they're convinced that cloud technology is the way to go as we look forward. Great, thank you. And final question for you. You shared a lot of great data from this report. I'm sure our listeners and viewers are saying they'd like to access it, so I'd be derelict if I didn't ask, right? So how can they uh, get a copy of this report, uh, again, put together by PayIQ and Wakefield? Sure. So uh, you can go to uh, our website. So it's www.pay-iq.com backslash RSPA backslash. And what you'll find there, they could just log on, it's free. They can download what we've done is, you know, these reports tend to be really dense. What we've done is we've taken, we put together, I think, a really digestible ebook that really frames out all of the key points you and I have discussed today. And um, and it's uh and so go right ahead and just and and download it. And if you've got any questions, let us know. Got it. So again, that's pay-iq.com slash RSPA. Correct. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My personal philosophy continues to be the more stars, the better.
And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at GoRSPA.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Tom Burns for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at GoRSPA.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. 